A Living Philosophy Part 6 Omnium Gatherum A Collection of Philosophical Musings On Technology, Politics, Multiculturalism, Art, Creativity, Suicide and Honour On Technology Usually technology is the application of scientific knowledge for practical purposes. It has been called the science of craft and originates in the Greek techne, which means art, skill, cunning of hand. Regardless of what we call it or how we define it, never before in human history has it affected, supported, infiltrated and opened our lives. Particularly since the advent of the internet, our lives have become enmeshed in an immediacy of the presence of the sum total of human lore, while our activities, interests and expressed thoughts flow in seas of social media like some pan-conscious world mind, allowing us all access to all. On the one hand, this uplift of human potential is nothing short of miraculous, and some of our modern technological aspects we take for granted would seem like magic to people even only a hundred years ago. On the other hand, we must look with care at what this costs us. With the democratizing of powerful technology, without a corresponding uplift of personal consciousness, we have created a global online society who, with total access to all information, spends more time on the antics of cats and goings-on of celebrity gossip. We have also created a dual problem of self-aggrandizement of still lowly individuals who assume more access to information somehow equates to more wisdom and a greater sense of righteousness. In a strange sense, by neglecting our own philosophical developments, we have created a technological golden age varnish over the rotted wood of an urbane, yokel-driven society, shaped by commercially conditioned greed and simple entertainments. Nonetheless, the technology still works to allow unforeseen exchanges of ideas, amazing cross-pollination of minds, and the rise of civil society as a force to be reckoned with as never before. On politics. I took a very active role in my nation's campaigns for homosexual marriage rights and the right for women's bodily autonomy. In both these campaigns, the political establishment failed in its attempt to lead. Thanks to new technologies, however, volunteers and interest groups engender and mobilize campaigns of change in our late democratic societies. True scandal, in effect, conflicted loyalties, the system of representative political democracy is eroding. It is the meritocratic attempted civil service who truly run our nations. And the best method to maintain a semblance of the people's empowerment will be through direct participative democracy and strong civil liberty and a socially just campaign which are compassionate and liaise directly with the mechanics of governing a state, the civil service. The potential for a truly meritocratic civil service to work in administering the communitarian will of civil society may yet yield a better form of politics for our future. It is often said that democracy is the best form of government, but this cannot any longer be used as an excuse not to explore better ones. On Multiculturalism In my blessedly short time as a politician, one of the most worrying things I kept seeing was the rising tide of Ireland for the Irish. 
With the impending crisis of the future, the question of multiculturalism, migration and how we react to these will grow vastly. Culture is not static. What we call Irish today would be utterly alien to the ancient Celtic natives of our land. Culture flows, grows, evolves and multiculturalism is the enriching mixing of these various identities into new identities. Just as we should be proud of the past enriching the post-Celtic influx of Gaelic, Viking, Norman and other cultures, so we should look forward to the future enrichment of our own with Slavic, Islamic and African cultures. Only those truly ignorant to history, their hearts closed to compassionate change, can deny migrants in need a place among us. This brings us to the question of assimilation, integration and interculturalism. Once more, assimilation assumes a violence against the cross-pollination of exchanging cultures and attempts to physically accommodate migration whilst destroying it metaphysically. As if by giving someone a place among us, they must become just as us. How fearful of difference and change must we be to possess such an outlook? Integration is the path we should be embracing in respecting the welcome and honouring the incoming of new peoples into our own and this can only be through a dignified dialogue and exploration of a form of intercultural exchange. Look to the brilliant opportunities and exciting new forms of how our world's cultures can grow and learn from one another in prosperity, in peace and a flourishing form of friendship. This is healthy multiculturalism. On art and creativity. I cast the net wide in art, in its definition, in order that we might capture the widest scope of that which makes us a beautiful flower of the cosmos. We build mighty civilizations and systems of awe-inspiring magnitude and scale, but without art we are but ants in the nest of functionality. And art is not merely present to buoy up our functional automotive elements, it is a thriving, vibrant core of what it truly means to be human. When we create, we are birthing newness into the unfolding of the universe, and through us complementing it with the unique peace of our very souls. Each musical note, every brush stroke enhances reality and there's something within us that chimes in vibration to the creativity we have either created or witnessed. The universe revels to see itself reiterated in new forms. It thrills through us with the dance of our creative natures and if there be nothing outside the brief flicker of our short lives, then what better way to challenge the darkness than burning all the brighter through the living canvas of our lives. For when all is dust, the echoes of what we leave behind will whisper onwards in those who follow. More than anything, the human is an artistic animal. We may wage war, delve into science and build mighty societies, but underscoring all this is art the art of war, the creative flow of scientific discovery, the qualities of inspiring social movements. The theme of art runs rich in the human soul, from the earliest scrawls of cave paintings to the very Van Goghs that hauntingly beautify museums today. If necessity was the mother of invention, we would never have reached beyond ourselves. In art, we find the inspiration 
to become more than we are. On suicide. I create an honored space in my philosophy for this topic because it has become one of the great afflictions of our age and because I've had a personal encounter with it. When I was a young man, I tried to end my life. In fact, for a brief time as I passed out, I believed I had succeeded. But I not only wanted to end my life, but my very existence. If I could have invented a time machine to undo my birth, I would have. In the strange crystal clarity of that moment, the calm eye of a hurricane of self-loathing and depression, I simply wanted not to exist. I'll not delve into here the various reasons why people take their lives or how to save them. This is a philosophy and no more. I'll only say that presently and for varying individuals, reasons and motives, the human race is going through a pain of mentality and a potentially difficult, but ultimately, and I hope beneficial, new trajectory in its societies. We now more readily address new fresh aspects of the human condition in forms like well-being, mindfulness, mental health, resilience. As we lose more young people to things like apathy, addiction, depression and suicide, we are stumbling on a new difficult but rewarding paradigm for our people. We will always miss the loved ones we have lost, but the great mission should be to try and turn tragedy into healing and loss into lessons. Not only for ourselves, but for others that they may begin to realise that there are hidden depths to being human, and in the new world, we will have to hone fresh skills to raise ourselves up in being better and brilliant human beings. On honour. I'm ending this section on a quality which in recent times has receded into the myths of the past or fictions of the future. We touched briefly on this in section 3, Ethics, but it's worth highlighting once more in a new light. Elements often cited as being components of honour include valour, chivalry, honesty and compassion. These are merely the ingredients, not the meal. In our modern global society, we seem to have lost touch with this simple and yet powerful value in our lives. In its absence, we have an erosion of other values and the above ingredients often become muddied with compromise or sacrificed to entitlement or convenience. When honour is valued, mere soldiers become samurai, corruptible politicians become shionbai. Even within us, we should honour ourselves and create a temple of promoting a better us in how we treat ourselves, our fellows and the world. Honour is a strange creature because its existence hinges on its undertaking and can really only be felt in the doing, and descriptions barely scratch the surface of this most noble and beautiful of human qualities. A layman's convenience might be to call it decency, but even this falls short. Honour is one of the defining human characteristics which genuinely brightens and beautifies us all. However, Its erosion in the modern era has seen a potentially matched increase in meanness and corruption. Honour is like things such as trust, love, the stock market. When we stop believing it, it ceases to work, and we seem to have stopped of late. 
of all human qualities which might benefit us as individuals and as a society. Honour, I would say, is the one we would gain greatly from by having its renaissance and revival of meaning in the 21st century.